Welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Hello, hello. How's everyone doing today? Good to see you. Welcome to Gateway. We're so glad that you are here with us today. I want to welcome everyone here in the room, but also our Gateway family watching online. Uh, what an incredible, incredible time in worship, uh, in God's presence. I hope that uh, you enjoyed it and that God spoke to you. Our heart in worship is that every single person would encounter him. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah 18, you can go to Version and press on events and it'll pull up all the information. The notes are there every single week. For those who don't know, you can just go there every single time and then just save it uh, so that you'll always have it with you. Uh, but we're beginning a new series titled Divine Design. Divine Design. It really, most of us know that God is a creator. He's the one who created the heavens and the earth. But within the creation, there's design, but he also has a divine design for every single one of our lives. And we want to talk about that the next couple of weeks uh, as we go into our last series, really, of the year. And I don't know about you. I don't know if you pray for kind of a word as you go into the new year. We're almost in 2022. It's the holiday season. Some of you have already kicked off the Christmas music going in full force. Maybe even put up a Christmas tree. If that's you, uh, do what you do for yourself and your family. Hey, no, no judgment coming from this end of it. But... Really, my heart is that we would understand that God had the design for every single one of us, and there's years and there's decades where he's putting something on the inside of us for those seasons. So I want us to press in during this time, take the time, lay it aside to get in his presence and hear from him because I believe he wants to do something incredible in us, but also through us. So let's jump into Jeremiah 18, uh, verse 1. And just so you know, whenever I start a series, it takes me a little bit of time to set it up. So this is going to be a setup message. So we may go through a lot of details. So stay with me. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause you to hear my word. So he's saying, go there and listen. Then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of of Israel. So he's saying to Jeremiah, I want you to listen. I want you to look. I'm the potter and you're the clay. He also says in Isaiah 64 verse 8, he said, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are potter and all we are the work of your hand. Most of us, if you've been in the faith for any period of time, would understand that God is a father who sent his son on the cross to die for our sins. So we understand God is father but he's also a potter. He's the one who molds us. He's the one who shapes us. He's the one who designs us for a specific purpose and for a specific use so that we can live for his glory on this earth, but also to be in relationship with him. So he's created us all for those 
purposes. In Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So some translations say a living being. So the word formed in that passage is actually a unique Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew word yetzar. And here's literally what it means. It means molding through the squeezing into shape, to mold into a form, especially as a potter. So literally, here's what God did. He took dirt, mixed some water with it, squeezed it together, and there you have man. That's pretty much what man have been. It's very simple for him to do. When it actually says he... Form, when women came into being, he didn't form them. The word there is fashioned. So we fashion, he formed men, just squeezed them and put them there. But he fashioned women, which is why women are a lot more fashionable than men are. It's, it's right there in the Bible. It's right there in the Bible. But that is what God did. So he took clay and he formed us and breathed his breath and his life into it. But I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that God is still molding us today? Do you believe he's shaping us today into the character that would reflect the image of Jesus Christ? Of course he is. So I want to talk about that today. And the message title is Designer Clay. Designer Clay. And there's, I have six points and it's six observations about the clay. I'm going to go faster with these points. Don't worry. And here's the first point. It can only be molded by water. Clay can only be molded by water. No other chemical molds clay better than water. There's nothing else that will help grow your character than water, since we are the clay. And here's what water is all throughout the scriptures. Water is the word. The word of God, this forms us, this shapes us into the image of God. Remember the Samaritan woman at the well, whenever Jesus asked her for a drink of water, and he said, if you knew who I was, You would actually ask me for a drink of water, and the living water that I give is the water you'll have and you'll never thirst again. Well, John 1 tells us that Jesus is the Word of God. So the Word of God is the water that washes us. It's the Word of God that cleanses us, and we need to have our lives built on the foundation of God's Word. And here's why. Because God wants us all to be a vessel of honor, and we need the Word of God in our lives for that to happen. 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 20 and 21 says this, But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, and we're going to talk about that word in a second, and useful for the master, prepared for every single good work. So, It's water that makes us a vessel of honor. It's the word of God that makes us a vessel for honor because it helps change us. Remember, we don't just read the Bible. The Bible actually reads us. It tells us the areas that we need to grow that would point us towards life and tells us the areas that we need to stay away from that would ultimately lead us towards death and away from being in right relationship with God. So the word does that for every single one of us in our lives. This is why Satan does everything he possibly can to distract you and make you busy so that you don't spend time in his word. But how many of you know, we talked about it last week, there's a process, there's also a process in molding. There's a process that God is taking every single one of us through because no lump of clay immediately turns into a vessel of honor. 
There's a process that God does, walks us through in developing our character. Salvation is immediate once we believe on Jesus Christ. But character building is a process that he wants everyone to walk through. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. So it's his word that cleanses us and helps us to go down the right path. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26 is talking about husband and wives, but this is actually a picture of Christ in the church. And here, listen to what it says. It says, husband, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse, there it is again, her with the washing of the water by the word. So the only way you're going to grow is to be molded by the word of God. That's how our character grows. Yes, circumstances and tribulations can actually reveal our character and point us to the place where we need to grow in character. But it's his word that actually helps us develop the character that we need in our lives. And that's the first point. Here's the second one. That clay has to be separated before molding. Before you can be molded, clay has to be separated before the molding. Now, Imagine you walked into someone else's house, because I know this wouldn't be the case in anyone's house here. But imagine you walked in, it was a beautiful home, they had beautiful tables, and on those tables, they had vases and they had different vessels that had rocks hanging out of them. They had weeds hanging out as well, there was dirt all over it. What would you think about those vessels? You wouldn't think much about it, and here's why. That wouldn't happen, because before a pot, it's ultimately good for use, it's separated from anything that would contaminate it and from anything that would cause it to break easily. Because there's a separation that happens. This word sanctify literally means to set apart for a sacred purpose or use. So God wants to sanctify every single one of us because he has a use for our lives. So here's what he does. God separates the things in our lives that would keep us from walking with him. He separates the pride that would keep us from coming to him. He removes the fear. God sanctifies us and sets us apart from offense in our lives that may lead us to bitterness. That's what God is doing in our hearts and our lives as we're diving into his word and doing that in our life. But here's the truth. So many of us can be focused on behavior modification. This is what the Pharisees in Jesus' day, they were the religious leaders of that time when Jesus was here on the earth, and they always went back and forth with Jesus because the disciples wouldn't follow the traditions that they had set in place. And Jesus came in, and he was giving new revelation, and they were always fighting, and they were always wrestling with them because they wanted to focus on the outward appearance, what was happening on the outside. And Jesus came to say, just because you have morality doesn't mean your heart's been changed. It doesn't mean there's been transformation. It doesn't mean that you are in relationship with God and you have been saved. Here's what it says in Matthew 15. It says, verse 16, don't you understand yet? Jesus asked. He always asked his disciples that question because they never understood anything. <laughs> anything you eat passes through the stomach and goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. They thought it was on the outside. That's what defiles you. And Jesus was saying, actually, no, no, no. It's what's in your heart that defiles you. And here's what he says. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. So Jesus is saying, all of those things come from your heart. 
If you've ever had an evil thought and you wondered where did that come from, it actually came from your heart. Then this is what Jesus is saying in this moment was probably blowing their minds. Because so many times we get into a situation or a circumstance and we act out of character. And I'm going to say something a little bit strong for you, for us right now. It's not that we acted out of character. It's that we were finally put in a situation that would reveal what was on the inside of our heart. And then that came out and now we're saying, oh, wow, I do, this doesn't look like the image of God that I need to be walking in. So that's what's happening in that moment. I don't know if you ever have been to a Build-A-Bear workshop. I actually don't even know if they have them around anymore. Uh, but whenever our kids were younger, we, we took them there. Not the place you can find a stuffed animal, just the outer part. And you could get all the accessories, and then they'd ultimately fill it up for about $2,000. It was a great, <laughs> great deal if you went and actually bought everything. At least that's what it felt like at the time. Uh, but as you walk that out, you get to the end. And at the end is where they finally put all the stuffing in the animal to make it a stuffed animal and it's filled. And then you could take, the kids can take it out and they rejoice and they play with it for one day and then go about their business. It's awesome. <laughs> but it's fully stuffed and it goes through this process. But here's the process that God is taking us through because here's the reality. There's a lot of stuffed Christians. And they're stuffed with pride. They're stuffed with fear. They're stuffed with anxiety. They're stuck with fear. They're stuffed with these things. And here's what God does. He actually takes all that stuff out in sanctification and then fills us with his spirit. But I want to tell you, it came at a high price and it came at the price of his son. So whenever God is working in our lives and separating things from us, know that it's for your good and it's for my good that he's walking us through this process. I don't know if you've ever heard Someone say to you, the Bible says pride goes before the fall. How many of you ever heard that statement? Those watching online, pride goes before the fall. Okay, that's actually not what the Bible says. Here's actually what it says. Proverbs 16, verse 18, it says this. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, if you think you are standing strong, be careful and take heed not to fall. Why does God separate pride from our lives? Not just because we'll fall. If you fall, you can get back up. But if you're destroyed, it's a much longer process. This is why God separates anything that would contaminate us before he molds us. So that is the second point. Here's the third thing that happens. And we need to understand about clay. An observation about clay is that clay comes in different sizes, shapes, and colors. Clay comes in different sizes, shapes, and colors. Now, physically, we know this to be true, but the reality is that God has gifted every single one of us differently. We're not all alike, and that's a good thing. And, and the church is uh, a coming together, a congregation that may not be alike, may have different cultures, may have different backgrounds, but as they come together and they're under Jesus Christ as the one who unifies us, is a beautiful picture of what God can do on this earth through people who are nothing alike. Because we all have our own prefer preferences. We all have our own convictions. But how many of you know that sometimes we have to submit our preferences so that we can walk out God's purposes on this earth? Even when it comes to church, we have to submit our preferences. Otherwise, the church will be made in my image instead of God's image. It's important for us to realize as we walk this out that even though we're not alike, God has called for us to be unified. But here's what I'm really getting at. 
Because not all clay is the same, we need to stop judging other pots. We need to stop being judgmental because we actually don't know how far God has brought that person. We don't know what God has done in their life. We have no idea what God is doing in that moment. So once again, imagine for a second going to a potter's house and hearing the pots talking to each other. One pot would say, well, I'm a little bit taller. They, they don't measure up to me. One pot may say, well, I'm a little bit stronger than these other pots. They're not as strong as I am. Some of them may say, well, it took a little bit more time to, to make me, and I'm from a very, uh, a very good place, so I'm actually richer than the rest of the pots. Well, the other pots could say, I've been painted, and I'm actually a lot more colorful. Y'all are just plain. What I have in my personality, it's, and, and you just hear these pots talking. And so many times, we can be the same way with comparison. Because there will always be people that we can look down on and say, I'm not like them. And there's always people that we can look up to and also feel the insecurity from that. But here's the reality. God is watching and God is actually listening. He's walking with us and he knows. And it's prideful for us to say, because we're all a work in progress, it's prideful for us to say, there's still a lot of work God has to do on that person because you've lost the focus on what God is doing in your own life. Because God wants to do something in our lives to make us more into his image. We have four kids and there's all the time, whenever one of the kids may get in trouble, um, obviously we, we speak into that, we discipline them however necessary, but there's times where we had just asked them to stop that and all the other kids would kind of jump in. They'd kind of be like, oh, okay, you got in trouble, and they'll, they'll all just kind of poke, poke or make fun. Or we'll say something and they'll kind of say it in a mocking way, but they'll say, yeah, you need to do this. Or yeah, go to this. Or yeah, go to your room, whatever it is. And we have to tell them, you are not mommy and daddy. You are not the parent here. And here's what I would like to say to all of us today. You are not the potter. The potter knows what he is doing. And he's taking every single one of us for a journey where we're made into the image of God. And the fact that we're taking so much time to look at other pots implies that we think that we're finished when we're nowhere close to that. We all have different convictions now. This statement may shock you, but I'm gonna let you know on the other end. This statement may shock you, but what may be a sin in your life may not be a sin in someone else's life. In other words, God may say something to you that is for you, but not for other people. In the Old Testament, everyone knows the story of Samson, but he was to take a Nazarite vow from birth, which means, one, he wasn't supposed to cut his hair at all, and that he wasn't supposed to, to drink any alcoholic beverage. That was what he was supposed, to, was supposed to do. That was his calling. But that wasn't for every single other person. Just imagine if that was the case today. I mean, I have no hair. I wouldn't be able to be like Samson at all. But there's all different stories throughout the Bible. Here's what I'm trying to say. You may be convicted to do one thing, but we have to be careful when God tells us something to do and he speaks to us about a conviction in our lives that we don't project our standards onto other people because you don't know what God is saying to them and you don't know the area that God's working on their life in that moment. So we need to be gracious in the same way that our father is gracious. So that's the third point. Here's the fourth one. Clay has no input 
to its outcome. Clay has no input to its outcome. Isaiah 29, 16 says this, surely you had things turned around. This is God speaking. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay saying, are we equal here? For shall the thing made say of him who made it, he did not make me. Or shall the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. Isaiah 49, 45, 9. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator. Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it saying, stop, you're doing it wrong. Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? I don't know if we've ever done this in our relationship with God to where we said, uh, clearly there's a better way to do this. I know you're in control and clearly there's a better way that we can walk this out. My life should not look this way. Or, hey, I know a better way. How many of us have even done that potentially with our spouse saying, hey, God, I know what you need to do here. So let me, let's focus on them during this moment so we can help them grow into the spouse that I want them to be instead of focusing on, God, who you're creating me to be. And whenever we were in premarital counseling, one of the things that the man who was leading us through it said, he's like, one of the greatest gifts you can give to your spouse is growing and focusing on yourself not just focusing on the other person. Here's why. Because prayer can change a lot more people than nagging can. And that's not gender specific. I've seen more people change in counseling whenever God walked in that person than when the person kept pointing out their flaws and their weaknesses. So take it to God because ultimately he's the one who's molding us and he's the one who's shaping us because the potter is smarter than the pot. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have a responsibility to yield to God. We do have that responsibility to say to God, whatever you say, I'm going to walk out, I'm going to obey. I'm always careful to never say never these days because God may call us to do that. When I was at Gateway in Dallas, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, one of my areas that I oversaw was young adult ministry. I was there for 10 years in total in the ministry, working for five years. And it was really the best job ever because I still got to preach. I still got to lead. We were over, I was over six campuses at the time. They're now larger. But I got the opportunity to lead without the responsibility that Pastor Robert had at the time to lead the entire church. If anyone was going to take a bullet or get attacked, it was going to be him, not me. So I was actually great. I was like, I'm comfortable, God. I could stay here for the rest of my life. And then God had different plans. He's like, actually, I haven't called you to just be comfortable. I've called you to make a difference. So I'm going to sing you now. So we have a responsibility to yield in that moment. But here's a, a quote that was said to me around that time that really stuck with me. And I want to say to you if, you, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. And if you're not taking notes, you can also write this down. <laughs> but it's a quote that says, if you don't allow God to transition you from success to success, you forced him to transition you from failure to failure. I'm going to say it again so that we catch it. If you don't allow God to transition you from success to success, you forced him to transition you from failure to failure. And the circumstances were created for me to step out and obey God. But ultimately, we need to realize that we don't have the input to its outcome. We simply say yes and yield to the potter who's creating us and molding us in his image. Here's the fifth thing we need to understand, that clay must go through the fire. Clay must go through 
the fire. I think it was interesting that we even sang about this today in worship, that we go through the fire, but God is still with us in that moment. What would you do if someone ever just handed you a clay or a vase, but it had not been through the fire? And everyone who's touched it, their fingerprints are all over it, and it's marred, and it's, it's just messed up. Obviously, it wouldn't be any good unless it's actually gone through the fire. But Peter says something very interesting, and it's a message for all of us. He says in 1 Peter 4, verse 12, he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Think about that for a second. So many times when things happen to us, when we face trials or tribulations, we, we're surprised. Like, how in the world is this happening, God? Jesus said it, actually even said it himself. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. The problem only comes if we stop there. Because he says on the other side, but take heart, because I have overcome this world. Fiery trials are going to come. We talked about this last week when we talked about the breakdown. Fiery trials are going to come, but don't be surprised because God actually can purify us through the fire. With gold at that time, what they would do is they would put it in a, in a pot and it would a fire, and the fire would actually burn all the impurities to the top, and then they would remove it. They would take it out so that they would have a pure product of pure gold. And in the same way, God does that with every single one of us. Sometimes the fire is turned up in our lives because God wants to deal with a specific area. But here's the difference spiritually that doesn't happen in the natural with a pot. Spiritually, we go from the wheel to the fire, and from the fire back to the wheel, and from the wheel to the fire, and from the fire back to the wheel. And this is the process he takes us through, and here's why. Because God doesn't work the process of sanctification, of setting us apart all at once, otherwise we get overwhelmed and we quit. But time after time in our lives, he'll deal with our pride, he'll deal with our anxiety, he'll deal with our fears, he'll deal with our bitterness so that we can become free. And everyone's had those moments in their life where I'm free, I'm walking in the newness of God, and it seems like you're thrown back into the fire. You're like, okay, God, what is this all about? It's because he's still forming you into the character that he wants for what he's prepared for you to walk out in this earth. So you're either one part of the process at the wheel where he's molding you in the fire, where he's um, making you stronger so that you won't break for the season that he's taking you into. So it's important for us to realize that clay must go through the fire. Don't be surprised when it happens. And here's the sixth thing, that clay has a breaking point if it dries out. Clay has a breaking point if it dries out. If clay gets away from water, remember the water is the word, it can dry out very easily and it can break. But God wants us to remain pliable. That's why he takes us from the wheel to the fire, from the fire back to the wheel to mold and shape who he's called for us to be. So everyone goes through this. So water is God's word, but I also want to say that water is God's presence. Taking the time to get into the presence of God. Taking the time to to set it aside, to be with him, to pray, to worship. How often do we do that? That's why we congregate and that's why we gather together in the presence of God so we can be changed by him, to encounter him so that we can become who he's called for us to be. Every single week, whenever I come or before I come with a message, I allow God to work on my life. I get in his presence. 
I allow him to work on me because the messenger is as important as the message is. Because God has a message for us, but it takes time to go and get that message. So that is my heart every single week to get in his presence. And here's why. Because I don't want to break. I don't want to fall apart trying to do something for God that I never took the time to simply be with him and to be refreshed. Because if you aren't refreshed, you'll eventually be depressed. This past week, I got the chance to go to Dallas and be around a bunch of uh, pastors. There were senior pastors from several different churches and Pastor Robert spoke in our lives. We were able to ask him questions and went back and forth. And I quickly realized that the, the need for refreshing so that we aren't dry isn't just my problem <laughs> or even just your problem. It's actually everyone. Even pastors need to be refreshed. And I began to hear different stories and we were able to come together and we were able to encourage each other. But here's, we all need to know where our triggers are. We all need to know mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, what does it look like when we begin to get dry? For me, when it mentally, because whether you realize it or not, about 30 to 36 times a year, I bring a message with brand new content every single week. And that can take up a lot of time and that can, be, that can wear you down mentally. I don't know if you realize that. So pray for me and I appreciate your prayers. But that's what's happening every single year. And I, can, I realize when I am mentally drained, whenever it becomes hard to make decisions. I'm an eight on the Enneagram, ENTJ personality. So making decisions and sharing my opinion is that comes very naturally to me. I like to call it insight rather than just my opinion, but that's neither here nor there. But I always can give insight to a situation. So whenever I realize I can't make decisions as easily, I actually know hey, you're drying out a little bit. You need to go back into the presence of God. You need to go back into the word of God. You need the water so you don't break down. But what are those cues for you? Some of you physically, there may be a cue. Some of us emotionally, we feel like there's breaking down. We can't, there's anger, whatever it may be. We know that we all get to the place where we may feel dry. We need to get back into the presence of God. But God wants to speak to every single one of us and grow our character. One of the character growing moments for me, which has actually become a value here at Gateway Church in the Houston area, uh, is about honor. One of the things you'll hear us say as a staff is honor is our language. We want it to be a part of who we are. We want to have an honoring culture where we lift up people, we don't tear them down, where our attitude and the way that we walk things out, it's honoring to every single person. But I actually learned it through God speaking to my life. There was a time that I was working for someone that I'll just say was very hard to work with. I'm sure we've all had those people. Hey, we may be that person. But I was navigating through it. I bring ideas, the ideas would be shot down. I bring thoughts. He's like, okay, yeah, no. If you wanted to learn, kind of glean from that person, they wouldn't even really give me what they have. And sometimes, you know, you can actually learn what not to do by being around somebody too. There's two ways around it. But first job in ministry, and I was expecting this, and it, I wasn't getting it. But here's what God began to show me during this time. He said that you can honor someone who's not being honorable. And here's why. Because honor has nothing to do with that person. It has everything to do with you in your relationship with God. And that was a character-forming time so that whenever I stepped into a place of leadership, that honor would be a part of who we are. The question for you is to ask God, what are you shaping in me today? How are you molding me today 
to be the person that you're calling me to be tomorrow. Because if we're not aware of that, we can go through every single day, the circumstances, the situations, even the trials, and we can simply go through them and not be changed by them. And God wants us today to come to him and know that he loves us and know that he cares enough as the potter to mold us into a vessel of honor for his glory. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Every single week, we ask the question, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you because he has something specific? Some of you may be at the place, we may be saying to God, hey God, I know a better way, but you seem to be taking me away that I did not think we were going to go. Some of you may be in the place of the fire right now. God's burning some things off of your life and it, it seems hard and tough and you just really need the confidence to know, hey, God, God is going to bring you through this. Don't give up in this season because he's shaping you and preparing you for what he has for you. But some of us may have just had a, a need that has nothing to do with the message. In a moment here, we're gonna have people down here up front who want to pray with you and we're going to respond. Someone need to respond to come and receive prayer. You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to receive prayer, but then others of us, we're going to go back into a song and really worship and allow God to speak to us during this moment. Because for some of us, the reality is we're very dry and we just simply need the presence of God to wash over us, to make us soft again so that he can mold us. So Father, I thank you for every single person here, every single person watching online. I thank you that you're a God who loves us. I thank you that you're a God who speaks to us, you're a God who cares. I pray right now that for every single person, you know where we are. I pray that you would bring your healing. I pray that you would bring your peace. I pray that you would sanctify us in the right time, and I pray that every single person here would be open to what you're wanting to do, that we would yield, that we would surrender, and that we would say yes to what you have in our lives, to say yes to the potter, since we are the clay. And I pray right now that you would overwhelm every single person here with your richest blessings. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.